Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. I am your host as always, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me, ready to board the banter bus, <laughs> is my co-host, Sean Gray. Woohoo! Hello. <laughs> <laughs> banter in full swing. Love it. Love it. Uh, this is the hashtag F1 banter show, uh, and to bring us, well, I, is it double the banter or is it four times the banter? I don't know when you've, when you've got two guests. It's, I don't know how much that, that doubles everything by. Uh, let's say double, to double up. The amount of banter on the show we have uh, joining us, Nikki Holdenby. Hello, I'd say triple. Well, you would, wouldn't you? That's just, <laughs> that's just what Nikki does. <laughs> Disagree with the norm. <laughs> and also joining us is Alex Mack. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So, F1 banter. We talk about what we want to talk about, so long as it's F1, pretty much. <laughs> uh, and this time got a couple of topics to to tackle uh and after lewis lewis hamilton winning in inverted commas the baku grand prix um i thought it might be fun to think about times in the past when other drivers have won undeservedly in <laughs> in formula one uh i have an answer but i'm gonna i'm gonna save mine until till the end because it, it cheats the system a little bit so I don't want to start with it and everybody go, well, if I'd known that, then that's what I'd have done. So, um, Alex, why don't you start us off? What's your what's your most undeserved win in Formula One? Um, well, I actually think that this race just gone felt so undeserved. Um, and I'm sure that there's lots more, but it just felt so like such a flat win to me. So I think it's it's I'd love to hear everyone else's ideas for this but I really felt like that was just the flattest win and as we said in the other show Hamilton knew that he didn't deserve it he didn't drive for that win got hand it got handed to him and to, to me that's the most recent one I can think of um but yeah I'd love to hear everyone else's Okay. Sorry. No, <laughs> that's, that's fine. If that, that is your answer, then that is your answer. Uh, Sean, go on then. What's your most undeserved F1 win? Right. <laughs> Do you know how we don't really like Sassel Johnny Herbert? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to pick Johnny Herbert. And the uh, 1999 European Grand Prix. Does anybody remember it? <laughs> Not vividly, but it has Johnny Herbert winning a race, which usually puts it into the sort of nether reaches of my mind if i'm honest so it was uh 1999 stuart ford johnny herbert uh at the uh nurburgring uh, under the european grand prix banner and it was one of those chaotic ones with some rain and some safety cars and things like that and johnny herbert actually started 14th on the grid um so on the face of it you would think that's uh that's a quite as easy one from there, you know. That's a it's a pretty impressive result. But um, if you go through it, it I, I don't know. It, it it sticks vividly in my mind just because this is when I was first getting into Formula One as a kid, and I think I had like a, a season review video VHS of the whole nineteen ninety nine season that I'd got for Christmas that year. And for some reason, I must have watched it like ten hundred times as a child when I was 
bored as a 10 year old and this always used to just stick in my mind because herbert got into the lead because just everybody just kept falling off the track you know when you get a, a wet race and people just keep spinning off and spin off like brazil sometimes gets like that mm-hmm. and and the list if you go down the list of retirements it's just like even the wikipedia page says uh, uh, verbatim is uh what followed was a series of retirements <laughs> <laughs> the first to fall was Frenson. it was just like 10 laps of just people stopping on the track or putting it in the wall and by the end of the race johnny herbert was just in the lead and it was just like okay johnny herbert's won a grand prix in a stuart ford that's never going to happen again so who's whose list of retirements was um starting between this is between lap 32 and the end of the race we lost Heinz Harold Frentzen, Jean Alesi, David Coulthard, Tereshuk Takagi, Mika Salo, Giancarlo Fisichella, Pedro De La Rosa, Luca Bedore, and Jack Villeneuve. So they all retired within the last sort of 25, 30 laps. And somehow Johnny Herbert just existed in first by the end of the race. <laughs> um, and actually, fun fact, Rubens Barrichello and the other Stuart Ford was third. So they actually had a 1-3. So... Three world championships for Sir, for Sir Jackie Stewart, but that's probably his greatest achievement, having a 1-3 as a team boss with Johnny Herbert in the car. <laughs> so as soon as you asked me the question, that for some reason that race popped into my head. And I just because we kind of had a little bit of a pop at Johnny Herbert recently on this show. <laughs> Always well. good to have a little pop at Johnny Herbert. It's about I, thought we might, um, I thought we might continue the theme. So, and Mika finished, Mika finished in fifth, so I'm not quite sure what happened to Mika. He must have had a nightmare in the weather. Um, but he was about the only one who finished the race uh, who was, you know, a, in a top top team, a top driver. So, yeah, the top five that year were Herbert, Truly, Barrichello, Ralph Schumacher, and then Mika in fifth. So some, Mark Genet scored a point in a Minardi. So yeah, that should tell you everything you need to know about this race. Well, I was going to say, and any race win where you, where you had to rely on Luca Badoa crashing off the track for win probably nullifies any you know any real celebration. In fact, there goes the police now to try and <laughs> arrest, to arrest Johnny, Johnny Herbert for crimes crimes against Formula One. So yeah, Johnny Herbert. Um, that was his, I think he won three. He won a couple in '95. I think. Um, when, uh, wasn't his first one quite lucky as well? He won at in '95. Yeah, for the for the Bennett and that, I was just a boy, a, a four year old at that year, so I wouldn't have, I don't really recall that. But yeah, he won two races uh, in the Bennett and for um, uh, Britain and in Monza in '95, and then and four I, years I think later, all of those have required forward. people ahead of him to not finish. So just having a look at his results, and he's got a black flag in there as well, which you don't very often. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, three race wins and a black flag and the odd podium. Johnny Herbert's career. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he's my pick for undeserving race winners. 1999 European Grand Prix at Nürburgring. If anybody catches it on F1 channel, it comes up on the uh, classic races or anything, give it a watch because it is a belter. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Nikki, what have you picked out for, for terrible race winners? Wow. I have two, and they're both <gasps> won by the same person, I think, oh, if if my knowledge is correct. Uh, so Spain, that year when McCarkinen's engine blew up on the last lap, uh, I think it was early 2000s, and uh, Michael Schumacher just came through for the win, very conveniently, uh, <laughs> so that was good for him. And then the other one uh, was a race where Michael Schumacher had to fend off his number two teammate, uh, two Jordans and two Minardis to take the victory in. Uh, oh, that's a very American Grumpy. 
That's oh, a very course, good call. Yeah. Very good call. I'd forgotten all about that race. Yeah, I think I've erased <laughs> it from my memory. It's not really a race, is it? That's like <laughs> nobody really raced. <laughs> I, I, the only thing that reminds me of that is obviously the fact that um, the the Jordan got the uh, the podium, but didn't. Yeah, and he was celebrating. Yeah, Tiago Montero was it? That's the one. Yep. Was the other guy in the other? It wasn't Noren Carthakine in the other car, was it? No, it was would it have been. Second? Sorry. Was it Free Sacker? Or was he driving a Minardi at the time? Oh, I'm not sure. I'd need to look sure that there up. Was a, there, was a, there was the chance, because I'm sure it's one of those things where like, one of the other drivers became the first person from their country to score a point in Formula 1, I think. And I'm sure one of those was Karthikayan, but I could be thinking of the other. What was it? Was, it I think you're a bit early for Karthikayan in 2010-ish. To Wikipedia, somebody. Yeah, I'm running. Uh, do you know what? I bowed down. I'm completely wrong. It is Narain Kartikeyan. Uh, it was 100% Kartikeyan. Yeah, because I just remember I just remember there being so much hype about it. was going to be like the first Indian driver to score and, points uh, and potentially be on the podium. And, you know, and Nicky's right on the other hand with Patrick Freesacker, who's a name I can existed until this moment. He was uh, one of the other guys. And the other Minardi driver for a bonus point, anybody? Uh... Mm, too late for Baumgartner. Uh, um, Albers? No. Shout, Nicky. Christian Albers. Well done. Ah, <laughs> of course. This is fun. <laughs> I love these are my favorite things. I love trying to think who was the Minardi driver at the time because this is such a huge just, list. Because he usually this, went through six in a season as well. So This is what I've just re- forgotten about Christian Albers. I've just clicked these Wikipedia pages there. And it's got Formula One career, Minardi, Midland Spiker, and then it goes team principal at Caterham F1 oh 2014. God, yes. <laughs> Which I completely forgot was a thing. <laughs> yes. Wow. So that's pretty cool. So props to Christian Albers, wherever he is He's now. He's made the most out of that career, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> him, up and, at, him and Alex Verts have kind of like. Yeah, Verts had an all right career. Yeah, oh, fair enough. But, but still, he's kind of sort of suddenly appeared as the leader of the GPDA, and you're just kind of like, Alex Verts? Yeah, okay, fair enough then. <laughs> so, um, did Albus get fired after he uh, drove down the pit lane with a fuel hose attached to his car? <laughs> I don't, don't remember that. I'm not quite sure how that's come out of my mind, but that sounds pretty funny. <laughs> So, do you want to hear my two? Go on, man. Okay. So, my my actual one is uh, Heike Kovalainen for the Hungarian Grand Prix in two thousand and eight. Ah, his one. his only win, uh, only one because both Massa and um, Hamilton basically failed to finish. Um, so he kind of had literally no competition and um, and waltzed to it in. Um, you know, in a, in a, a, a track that suited the McLaren down down to the ground. Um, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's that's my pick. It's hard to remember because I like Hoki Kovalainen a lot, and I liked him when he was driving in the Caterham and, and stuff. It was it was good fun, but <laughs> it was awful in that McLaren. We would talk about teammates that Lewis Hamilton must look back fondly on. <laughs> Heike is definitely the one he sends Christmas cards to. I reckon. The thing is, when Fernando was winning in the Renault and Heike was in the 
the, the academy, Renault Academy then and coming through and he had a big reputation that he was going to come in and and then uh, Fernando obviously left and went to McLaren and 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 Heike was coming through and it was like this guy's going to cat this guy's going to pick up the mantle and it just didn't happen. No, <laughs> but all right. Did you have one season at Renault and then move on? Or I think two? so. I don't remember? I think it was pretty yeah, good. I, I vaguely remember. Him and Fernando swapped places, didn't they? Yeah, well, Fernando went to the McLaren, and I don't know why I vividly remember in my head um, reading an article at the time that was along the lines of, well, Fernando's gone to the McLaren, but, you know, it isn't all doom and gloom at Renault because we've got this young Finnish guy who's going to be the new Hakkinen, and he's going to really take the world by storm, and it doesn't matter that we've lost the double world champion because here's Heike. And then... Mm. There was Heike. <laughs> <laughs> Not often enough, it would apparently seem. Um, so that was that. <laughs> so my, my cheaty one was basically going to be uh, Eddie Irvine's title-challenging season. What, the whole season? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Undeserved. Never, never as a more average, poor Formula One driver being gifted the lead of an excellent car uh, to try and win a championship. And then just didn't. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I remember being so behind Irvin that whole year. Like, and I was just a you know kid really, and it was I was just getting into F one. But I didn't. I I was a Ferrari guy even you know, at an early age, and didn't want McLaren to win. And I just I was so gutted when when Mika ended up taking the title. I was really really gutted. Now I look back, go and be like, ah, oh, probably probably a good thing for the game <laughs> that, that, that Eddie didn't win. <laughs> So yeah, that's that was that was my cheaty answer, but but Kovalainen takes the real one. Um, that's good. Oh, some good ones in there. Like I liked um like remembering the um the American Grand Prix. I completely completely forgot. Oh, thinking of, it's funny if you're talking about Alonso's maybe thing is I guess we should probably stick Singapore in there as undeserved race wins, given what we now know about. Wow, yeah. <laughs> rolling it <laughs> allowing that win to happen you know actually i think that it takes such bottle and skill to actually pull that off that i think <laughs> they de- i think they deserve it. like you know like like because if you went if you came up with that plan pre-race i meant this is what you're going to do you're going to try and crash at this exact point that would provide a safety car that could get alonso in the exact position that he needs to be in like to actually pull that off is you know, a little bit of testament to the skill of the team, to be honest. So and I'm gonna I'm gonna say fair, fair play. You know, there's that much that could go wrong in, in trying that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean it's certainly up there and and, and and the other one that popped into my head was um we talked about it recently, Brazil two thousand and three, where Fernando wrecks the the Renault and oh, and, yeah. the, and the red flag it and they don't even know who's won until after the race. And I think then no. they the Fisichella. Um, but the podium had Kimi and, you know, no one seemed to exactly know what was going on. And <laughs> so I suppose you could stick that one in that category of yeah. um, just the complete, you know, randomness of Formula One results. Sweet. And, oh, and there's one more, sorry. And it was also wow. in the category of <laughs> randomness is Barrichello pulling up to let Schumacher oh. in Austria. Yes, um, and we not. So that's definitely if we're discussing undeserved victories in the very sense of the word, that would be right at the mm. top of the list. Yes, the attempt to try and cross the line at the same time, wasn't it? And yeah, 
But I prefer um, Herbert's one for the sheer fun. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just so we can, just because it allows you to bash the person. <laughs> one, it makes it much more fun. Cool. Um, so let's let's talk about some of the the sort of things going on in um, in F1 at the moment, uh, if we can. Um, just recently, the FIA have uh, rather pushed through a raft of aerodynamic changes for the 2019 season, aimed at increasing overtaking. Um, which include um, widening, I think, and flattening the um, rear wing to try and make DRS even more uh, powerful, which I don't know if you guys feel, feels like a question nobody was really asking. Um, and the front wing is to be uh, made less complex, so it'll have to be more straight, so there'll be less sort of twisty stuff. So it'll still probably be stepped, but not with quite so many adornments might be the the right yeah, word. I mean, we were talking about that last week, weren't we? Just about we're kind of questioning and how much that had an effect on on following another card and stuff. Um so it's interesting that that's been addressed immediately after a week we kind of talked about it. So Ross Braun, obviously listening, good man. <laughs> yep. We know. We know. <laughs> Um, what do you guys think about this? Is it because the the teams were not were not with it? Um, uh, only um, less, I think, less than half of the teams actually voted for it. Um, but it was pushed through because there was enough um, there was enough support from it from the FIA and FOM or Liberty or whatever you want to. Go. I never know whether we're still supposed to call them, you know, the Formula One management or whether it, we just call them Liberty now and everybody understands what that's what that equates to but the, the rights holders basically they agreed and enough and that meant that only a, a handful of the, the teams actually had to agree so does this feel like a you know a good move or are we doing another knee-jerk reaction and and making like a raft of changes along with all the the fuel stuff that they've they've pushed through and weight stuff without really necessarily taking time to consider what the impact of those things might be alex do, is, is it Good news or bad news? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm still, I'm actually just, um, I didn't get a chance to really read all of it uh, earlier in the week. So I'm just looking at it now. And um, it does feel like they're pushing changes through quite intermittently. And um, when, like you said, have they considered everything and you, you might expect all these changes to come out in one go and, you know certain points the year that they're announced but it feels like little bits are being changed here and there and it's you sort of wonder how much consideration has gone into into everything and what is um based on feedback um from the right people or teams and what's just been decided like you say like just because there's enough of a vote from the fia or or liberty or whoever um i don't know i haven't um had time to consider it much but it does feel like there's so many things coming out so intimately that it, that it feels a bit random you know what i mean it, it just it just reminds like you'd think me there'd of there'd be like yearly or like it, hmm. it would be yearly changes or something or six monthly reviews or something but it's just here and there this is weird that they're announcing changes. it like bit by bit 
you know, it's yeah. piecemeal here and there rather than saying these are the these are the changes that we have agreed and this is what Formula One is going to look like. And instead, we're kind of getting, uh, we're going to add a bit more fuel and change the drivers, right? And then we wait two weeks. Oh, hey, we're going to change the aero now. We're also going to do this. And, yeah. And it, it feels like... We're doing stuff. Yeah. And they, they are doing stuff. And you, you see, I think we're starting to see a lot more changes coming through. Some of them good, some of them bad, but it all feels a bit piecemeal. Yeah. To me. It, it all reminds me of knockout qualifying. Do you know what I mean? It just kind of happened because somebody somewhere somewhere elsewhere decided that that's what they thought was going to be the best thing, and it nobody really seem, seem doesn't doesn't seem like it's they're taking the time to digest whether all of these changes all in one go is necessarily the best thing for the sport, especially as the cars do seeming to be coming towards somewhat of a um, you know uh, oh, I always forget the the phrase, but the the return on the sort of investment of of um, design is becoming less and less. There's less gains to be found in the cars, so there's a convergence of yes. performance. It's starting to happen, as you can tell, because the Red Bulls are catching up. You know, the Renaults and the McLarens and the sort of midfield teams are now not two All seconds off the pace. Yeah. They're, they're getting it down to about a second. You know, do we need to tinker with that, Nikki? Is is not is the sport not just evening itself out naturally? Right, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's going against what. Osborne said he wasn't going to do with the sport in changing things every now and again. However, <laughs> with um, with the major regulation changes in 2021, now is a good time to try things, I guess, because at the most we're going to have to put up with it for two years if it doesn't work. I suppose that's true. I suppose that is that is one way to look at it. I guess that you know if they, get... but then it's almost like. But if you make lots of tiny little changes, like how, how how much more drastically can you then change it in 2021? Um, yeah, I mean, the tiny changes are still just masking over the inherent problem with the cars, aren't they? Yes. Well, and and we we, we talked about this a little bit of, of uh, uh, probably actually even last season it might have been, but I, I was very lucky to to catch on to a a little thread that Craig Scarborough was talking about. Um, managed to kind of put the question about you know what's um you know what what creates the downforce from what and what's really creating the turbulence um and it's the the tires are still the main thing that disturbs the air in a way that's uncontrollable and doesn't you know and upsets everything behind because they're just big blocks of rubber with no you know with no aerodynamics really to them the wind just kind of hits them and then go, goes all over the place which is why they've got so much stuff to try and sculpt the the air kind of around those bits and pieces but that's still seemingly where you know the worst part of it's going and formula one is probably never going to um never going to stick the sort of formula e wheel coverings do you know what i mean so yeah, a bit like an indycar as well yeah yeah, yeah and, and indycar as well. i actually think those things look quite nice as well if i'm if i'm honest they're done right yeah, they think, do. you know you look at the gen 2 formula e car it looks amazing but mm. um it's not F1, is it? Well, and that's kind of the problem, isn't it? Is is when do you start saying, well, if you want things to change, we can change stuff, but you have to accept that, you know, some of those things are, aren't going to make F1 not look like the F1 that it used to be. But but you could you could suggest that front wings aren't uh, aren't Formula One because for the first you know twenty thirty years of the sport there was no such no such concept as a, as a front wing, um, but as soon as they were found to be, you know, 
good things or to help the, you know help with racing they have become f1 so wheel coverings could become f1 if you put them on and keep with it and then in 20 years time nobody will remember however go oh yeah do you remember those funny looking cars with the big flat wheels that used to destroy the air and make overtaking impossible oh so glad we don't have those anymore uh alex you had another there was another point you were going to raise sorry and i've completely forgotten about something else that's going on in formula one uh sorry to put you on the spot i know i've just pulled that out of absolutely nowhere don't know what i was going to raise (laughs) what was (laughs) You said, are we going to talk about this? And I said, oh, yes. Oh, the um, Halo graphics. That's the one. Yes. I I didn't mind it now and then. If I'm going to be controversial, I'm sure everyone hates it. I didn't mind it. I no, still, I still I loved it. the Halo names on the inside of all the Halos, like Haas and Force India. Have yes. Done. I think those are still the only teams that have done it. I didn't mind the graphics. But it I thought they were re- they got a, it got a proper annihilation on Twitter and that but oh, well, you, okay. you you cannot ask the internet to have uh, a, 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 a no one asked but... <laughs> anything to do with halo it's just kind of like yeah oh. yeah I, I thought they were great position. i thought it was really yeah. good because i thought it made a much better use of the space than the big sort of black blob that used to appear in the screen that used to tell you the Side, yeah. uh, the breakings and stuff and the g-force and bits and pieces like the g-force was nice to know but you kind of knew that when the driver turned into a right-hand corner, the you know the G-force was pushing them to the other side of the car. You mm. didn't need the graphic to show you that. But I'm much more interested to see a clear gla- graphic that shows me when they are on and off the brakes and when they're mm. on the throttle and what their speeds are. And it's really nice and clear. And because it sits on the halo, it doesn't get in the way of anything. It's yeah. it's, it's already on the thing that gets in the way of things. Yeah, so I think the, the only of... thing was that I couldn't always tell who it was because. Um... It was covering up the parts where I yeah, could identify the driver. But I know on the side they did say, but not. It would sort of have who it was, and then it would disappear again sometimes. So I think they still need to work on it. But um, I kind of like it. I really liked it. I, the, it feels to me like there's there probably is going to be more of that stuff coming from Liberty because they mm. seem quite graphic orientated. So making the most yeah. of all those bits and pieces one of the interesting things i think was was how much the left-hand side driver thing has changed race to race mm. thinking about what it was like in the first race where it was very light very see-through you could barely see what was going on they constantly flicked much more between all of the different kinds of timing they loved sticking up the driver's team badges after the names all the time which yeah no is need. not a requirement in anybody <laughs> Like nobody needs to see the Ferrari badge next to Kimi and Vettel's names. We we all know they're in a Ferrari, or it's okay. Yeah, that is a bit unnecessary, but I th- it seems like they're trying a few things and listening to feedback and um, you know, having fun with it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I quite like that. I mean, I hope I don't know what was going on with the uh, glitchy timings, all over timings the place, they? on during the race i mean signs jumped 11 places at one point i think and we lost um we suddenly lost... went down to 17th or something and it was yeah. like what the hell's going on and we got no time popped up a couple of times as well for no yeah. apparent reason you were just like oh really I, I don't think that's true like in qualifying it was just like lewis hamilton is in first but with no time yeah right yeah. and there was a few <laughs> times when you know i was watching it on sky and they were telling me that the driver was in sixth place, but 
what I was seeing on the screen was saying seventh or eighth. And I was like, yeah. well, you know, I, I really don't know because Sky do get it wrong. <laughs> so, so I, I really you don't mean, know. What's you mean happening. David Croft gets it wrong. Don't yeah. Let's <laughs> not our words here, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully that was just a one-off because I don't think other than first name, last name, there's been too many. Um, <laughs> first name, last name. Yeah. Uh. I'm uh, disappointed that that hasn't shoes. appeared more often. I'd hoped that there was somebody w- within Liberty who was like young enough and hip enough to re- recognise a meme when they'd seen one, and just, yeah. just occasionally for the first couple of races, just allow keep that to flick up, just to keep on going because yeah. it got so much reaction. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> what do you make of the the new graphics? You enjoying them, Nikki, or you find them a bit distracting? Well, I was a bit sceptical at first, but it's grown on me. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's cool, rather than having that big black halo thing in the middle of the screen, <laughs> blocking up <laughs> most of the screen. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's good to do something with the space, I guess. Yes. No news on, on the halo camera that was sort of vaguely talked about when it came in, when we had those awful first onboard shots where the halo was in the way of 90% of the screen. There is still a space for it in the there halo. There is, isn't there? There's a, there's a, there's a hole, in, I think. <laughs> in, the, in the front of the halo. It's a hole in the middle of the halo as well, I guess, but that's... Not... <laughs> <laughs> Can't put a camera there, really. You could get. I mean, to, what's the name of the camera guy? Who does the grid walks in Martin Brundle? You just have him sat on top of the halo. Just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued to see what that view from that camera would look like there. Because it should be amazing, be shouldn't it? Because it's slightly higher up, so you should get like a nice view of the track ahead of you and what's going on. Yeah, it's better than the silly. I don't know. Did, 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 does anybody enjoy the camera that like was panning for like from the front to the back? Because they do it in IndyCar yeah. as well, and I don't, it works it's better there because I think the, the passes take longer to happen most of the time, especially on the oval circuits. You can see when somebody's about to overtake so they can get the camera all prepped and have it follow the car. But in F1, the, the overtakes are so much faster and stuff. It usually seems that by the time they've got the car go, the, the camera going from the back of the car to the front of the car to try and follow the overtaking car, the overtaking car's already gone halfway down the, the length of the pit straight, you know, just doing a panning shot of the, the advertising hoarding as you're going past. I like in IndyCar how every camera angle is sponsored by a brand is Isn't it really is it yeah. <laughs> it's on board there's camera. nothing more american than that is there realistically <laughs> sponsored camera views but it looks like we might have another american race next year oh yes miami yeah i don't know what i think of that yeah it's gonna be yet another street circuit and i don't uh, love street circuits i don't mind street circuits I mind them being the majority of F1 circuits. I like yeah. street circuits in Formula E because they work for the series. But I have a I have a strange feeling that Liberty are looking over at what Formula E is doing with having races in the middle of cities and the sort of press that that generates and all the other bits and pieces and the fact that, you know, the crowds just are there because, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm. It's in the middle of a city. It's not in um, some weird racetrack in the middle of the mountains. 25 miles away from the nearest place um but isn't or somewhere. part of the reason for doing that that you know it's low pollution probability so there's a good reason for doing it in the middle of a city as well um and i i've tried to get into formula e but i struggle with it i think mostly because i'm not a big street circuit fan but also i think they could make the street circuits a bit more interesting they uh, I mean, I find them a bit boring, but that's a discussion for another time. 
another show maybe but yeah, yeah so another I'm... american another american grand prix not sure about that and they're going to rejig this the the ca- the calendar a bit, aren't they? Because they're not sure where they where they want it to to sort of fit. I think they were saying it was going to be like a September time, which puts it Austin oh. Canada time. So they're not sure which one of those two races they'll probably put it back to back with. Um, they, I think the general consensus is that they'll probably do it with Austin. So we'll do Kota um, and then Miami, uh, have a break, and then go to Canada, which seems kind of odd. Because presumably we'll still have another break before we go to Mexico then, which uh, I've never understood the Formula One Canada. We've had this discussion about six million times, haven't we, Sean? Where we've not quite worked right. out how yeah. it's it's worthwhile. Problem you've got is you've got that many new stars turning up all the time and stuff. It's impossible to get any sort of pattern. Um, I'm a little bit with Alex there. Can live without another city centre street circuit, to be honest. Um, if they were to bring in Miami, fine, but I'd like to see it replace. Singapore or uh, I don't know off the top of my head another like you know if we're gonna uh, not Baku yeah not Baku after this <laughs> no. but you know what I mean just that, you know if you're gonna bring in all these new circuits fine but kind of rotate them in and out so that we're not over overkilling the street circuit because yeah two or three a season at most is is more than enough I'm I'm a traditionalist still I want to see the the old school circuits, the, the Monzas and the Hockenheims and the Mangy Coors and things like that. They're still the circuits that, that generally get my uh, get my interest peaked. So, and for the same reason as Alex already said, I kind of struggle for Formula E. I've never really taken to it. So, yep, I'm on I'm on her side with that one. Fair enough, then, Sean. Uh, the next topic on the well, I'd say it's an agenda, but it's not really. It's just whatever I'm thinking about at the time, mostly. Um, is the F1, the F1 dictionary. Uh, this is something that I was thinking about uh, at the end of the, uh, the the Baku Grand Prix, watching Grosjean spear across the track into the, the wall under the safety car and thinking, he's done that more than once, hasn't he? He's, <laughs> he's definitely crashed either under the safety car or on the formation, formation lap more times than probably any other driver I, I can think of. That almost deserves to be called a Grosjean. So when you when you crash at a time when there isn't actually any racing going on, you have Grosjean. <laughs> and I was thinking, there's got to be other things that you could do for Formula One racing drivers where their name could become a word of some sort to describe an action or a thing or uh, or be, be an adjective or something like that for an action. So, Alex, I know you've got one or two. Start us off with your your top... F1 dictionary entry. Well, mine is based off of the back of Baku, and uh, it is uh, "horned," meaning to go into uh, go and uh, with tail between legs to get a right old ruddy telling off that you know you deserve and there's nothing you can do about it you're gonna get shouted at and you're just gonna have to take it uh to be horned which max and daniel both experienced this weekend i'm sure (laughs) and i would not have wanted to be in that room when they got horned no absolutely absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) nikki have you got uh got an entry for the dictionary uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a montage of Elba. <laughs> <laughs> the way when that you, just uh, fell off your tongue. <laughs> uh, uh, when you uh, when you hurt your elbow and it puts you out of action for about a year, 
Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm on tired mail boy. Of course, I love it. <laughs> any time, any time I hit, I hit my funny bone. Now I'm gonna thinking of is Montoyaing my elbow. I like that. I like that a lot. I've got um, uh, signsing, which is finding yourself at a party you weren't meant to be at, but having a great time anyway. <laughs> That's good. He'll stay there next season, I think. I think he probably will. I think so. Uh, Alex, got any others? Uh, I was thinking about Raikkonen. Uh, could be a couple for that. Uh, first is uh, being made to take one for the team and uh, basically be uh, being second driver. <laughs> um, I kind of feel that, that you can't life, take that away from Rubens Barrichello, really. Always the poor man will have nothing. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else did I have? I'm trying to find some notes. I mean, there's so many with Grosjean that you could do, <laughs> but <laughs> I should think of some other people uh, to rag on. Um, I've um, got a stroll. Ooh. Something unimaginably expensive in place of something cheaper and better. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Got any more, Nikki? Uh, well, uh, there's Topanis, which uh, has two meanings, actually, which are quite different. It either means <laughs> taking, a, taking a lucky win or breaking both your legs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm noticing a pattern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of injuries, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that panacing is like could be like something really good or something really terrible, and you literally won't know until it happens. I like that to, to panis the, an unexpected victory or utter failure. <laughs> any more for any more? I got I got one more. Go on then. Yeah. I've got Hulkenberg. When you find a double seat on a train and feel smug, only turned up trapped by a, a mob of football fans and miss your stop and stay on far longer than you were meant to. Nice. I think it feels like that. That's the that that's the analogy for Hulkenberg's career. Basically, he's fa- found himself somewhere that looked like it was going to be really good, and then has been stuck in there for much longer than <laughs> probably felt he was really deserving. I think um, Azerbaijan was another podium opportunity lost. Oh yes, he could have been in that third place by the end of it. It was a bit of an odd incident actually for for him in, in Baku, wasn't it? Because it just sort of seemed oh. to come out of nowhere. He was going absolutely fine, uh, and then he was in the wall. And not the castle either, for God's sake. <laughs> Hit the castle. <laughs> there was a suggestion that the wind might have played a part, but it just looked a bit of a sloppy one, I think. It's always the wind these days, isn't it? Yeah, there's always something. <laughs> never anybody's fault. That's probably the max for Stappen, when it's never your fault. Oh, surely to, to, uh, to Eric's to be blamed for yeah. things that weren't oh, yes. your fault or is that Grosjeaning? I can't decide I think Grosjeaning is the act of your boss blaming you for his mistakes uh, yes. and Ericssoning is um, to be the recipient of a Grosjeaning yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I, think I, I had one alternative definition for, for Grosjean which was um, to um, find failure uh, at, at, a, at an inexplicable time uh, for my definition which was I've managed to carry the wedding cake all the way from the kitchen to the table without knocking it over 
laughing at anyone, only to find that I've accidentally stabbed the groom with the with the knife. <laughs> That's a good one for a good one. I like that. <laughs> I love it. I was trying to think of some ex-driver ones as well. Maldonado, unfortunately, doesn't require any kind of definition. It just like <laughs> any That's any... already in the dictionary, isn't it? <laughs> it isn't already. It should definitely already be. Um, uh... Uh, so Magnuson to uh, to receive a slapped balls, maybe. Sorry, I can't <laughs> say that word. No, that's fine. <laughs> on TV, so I think we're probably yeah. allowed to. Um, I was trying to think of some sort of um, uh, older drivers to try and try and come up with some sort of definitions for people thinking of certain careers or or, or moments. Um, you kind of beat me with Panis was going to be my was going to be my go to one, Nicky. Um, Got him fire, sorry. No, that's that's fine. Um, who's uh, uh, I was trying to think of somebody who would be the literal de- definition of of snatching failure from the jaws of success. Um, uh, trying to think who who fits that that kind of uh, that footing. I guess Massa <laughs> possibly. Well, I feel really bad for saying it. Obviously, for for two thousand and eight. Having the 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 better race car, and if it wasn't for pulling off with his his fuel line in Singapore and a couple of other silly things he did, probably would have been world champion, and we'd be saying, "Oh, it's a bit of a shame that that Lewis never won a title at McLaren <laughs> <laughs> has gone on to have such a mediocre career. He looked so good." I often wonder what would have happened to Lewis if he hadn't have won that title. Like, what would his reputation have been like by like twenty eleven? You'd have probably was... assumed that he'd have gone to, he'd have had to have taken his chance going to another team. And, it, you know, would he have gone, ended up going to someone like Williams or something like that and, and chancing his luck there and seeing what's going on rather than somewhere like Mercedes or Ferrari looking for him? Although I guess, I guess you don't know with Mercedes what they'd have done for a second driver. Yeah, they might not have brought Lewis in. If he'd been a, if he hadn't been a world champion, they might have looked at Nico and just went, well, he's our guy and we'll just have. Bottas as a number two or something when um, instead of bringing Lewis into the team to replace Schumacher you just don't know. If, if had Lewis not had that world championship on his CV he might not have been as in demand. No that's true. And yeah, they had Nico wonder... there so. Um, i trying to think really about when. That's an interesting game to play. You could probably do a whole hour on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, um, would... what, uh, alternate Formula one, uh, Formula 1 alternative what about Kimmy? Was Kimmy free in terms at the of time timelines when Lewis joined? Kimmy yeah, I mean he was because um... he was lo- was he at Lotus? Yeah. So it's funny, isn't it? Because you wonder, you wonder, don't you, whether they'd have gone for for Kimmy as the as the choice there? Could you could have had a very different Formula One, couldn't you? If had Lewis not won that first championship and really put himself in the window going forward, because he was his the rest of his seasons at McLaren were were, were still all really very good, but um, they didn't show any of the same exact promise, and he and he had a few spotty spotty moments during those seasons as well, which maybe would have cast doubt had he not had the world championship in his pocket, possibly. Do, do Ferrari sign Alonso if Massa's a world champion? You know, 
That's, that's true. Oh, that's a very that's a very good call, isn't it? Yeah, so Massa then becomes the Turiga number one driver, and um, they put their all their weight behind them. They well, keep... at that point, then does Alonso go to Mercedes? Well, exactly. You know, it's a whole different. You know, you could spend hours and hours thinking of what what way the timeline goes. Fernando or sort of six time champion, it'd be like, whoa. Fernando wins um, the title in 2010 by getting past Vitaly Petrov in Abu Dhabi, and then we don't have the Vettel era. You know, like this. Just... Well, I think I think you I think on that one, I think you can at least point to the probably the car would have been there for the next three years anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, I think so too. But, but just, it's, it would have been... it's a fun game to play, you know. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, I like the I like the what happens if what happens if Lewis doesn't go to Mercedes? You you literally could spend a whole episode planning. You'd need a, a like a flip chart, wouldn't you? And just draw the lines and say, right, well, he goes to here, which means that space is open, which probably means he goes here. That Remember. Remember when Lewis first signed for Mercedes and we all kind of oh, there's no guarantee that engine's going to be so good, you know, that sort of thing. That was the general reaction at the time. And he could have, he would have been having those very same questions himself at the time. And have, it, it was probably a toss of a coin for him at the time. Do you go to a Mercedes? Do I stay at McLaren? What if a coin lands the other way? He stays at McLaren. And then, like you say, then he could, he could have been driving Fernando Alonso's car for the last four years. Can you imagine how funny that would have been? <laughs> that would have been, been that hilarious now, doesn't how it? How funny would it have been if Lewis Hamilton had to have driven the, the McLaren Honda for the last four seasons? That would have been just... A, 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 can you imagine the team radio? <laughs> <laughs> the game would have been completely different. Didn't Lewis almost end up at Red Bull at one point as well? They were talking about it, wasn't it? There was, was it? Yeah, yeah. They they were questioning whether they were going to keep Weber, weren't they? I think because they they mm. thought he was probably. Oh, because yeah, Weber almost went to Ferrari. Oh, was what? It's, it's difficult to remember what stuff was like. This yeah. was a rumor that this was going to happen. Which stuff was kind of reported? It's, like it's it in Mark Webber's book, I think. That he was offered a drive at Ferrari for twenty thirteen. I think or it might be fourteen. Can't remember which. That would have been interesting, anyway. Yeah, it'd been, it would have been interesting. It, it, there's a lot of interesting things, isn't it, to see what would have happened. If certain people had different teammates at their the times of their periods of success, or had been able to be out of a bad car into another car at a team uh, a team that could could have done well. Weber could well, have been. Might have to get everybody back and just do a <laughs> uh, like a, a sort of. Uh, 2010 onwards game of where we <laughs> yeah everybody go away create your own alternative timeline and then come back and pick <laughs> yeah. it yeah basically we'll, we'll do an episode and we'll be what if lewis never joined mercedes and then we'll we'll plot we'll try each everybody try and plot out what they think would have happened timeline wise <laughs> and we'll walk our way through it and see see who ends up as the uh, multiple time world champions and who loses what team etc I'm picturing strings with, on the wall with going from photo to photo, <laughs> yeah. car to car, like a detective trying to work out what would have happened. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Sergio Perez definitely has thought the Force India, regardless yes. of what happened. <laughs> yeah, there's loads of things like that, isn't it? Because if Lewis doesn't leave, does Perez get a drive? Really he would have stayed with the Somebody Ferrari. else would have been in the car ahead of him. He would have stayed with the Ferrari Young Drivers Academy and got a seat at Ferrari. And been waiting for Kimi Raikkonen to retire still now. Well, he'd he'd be in, in surely in like Marcus Ericsson's seat at the Sauber now because he'd be like, oh, finally, there's a Ferrari B team I can join. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, I, I'm, I, I can't stop thinking about that. I'm going to have to go away and do this. So, right. Thinking caps on, everybody. Well, uh, I think that probably takes us quite nicely to the end of uh, this episode. We covered all the things that we wanted to and a little bit more. So that's always mm-hmm. good. Um, again, I'd like to thank our guests for joining us. Um, Nikki, can you let the nice people know where they can find you on the interwebs? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Nikki Holdenby, and you can follow my blog as well at Lights Out F1 Blog. Uh, and you can find my writing on lightsoutblog.com and badgergp.com. Uh, and Alex, where can the good people harass you about all things F1? <laughs> uh, well, firstly, thanks for having me. Uh, uh, enjoyed it, guys. Um, really great to be part of it. And I'm on Twitter at Alex Helen Mac without a K, so M A C. And I just tweet random F1 stuff. And, you know, all the other usual crap. Pictures of my dog. A <laughs> few pictures of my dog. Well, see, that's fine. Sorry for saying. Doggo pictures are all good. (laughs) Doggo pictures are all fine with us. Doggo and and cat pictures, not a problem. Uh, (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Sean, for being part of it as always. No problem. Uh, And we shall see you after the next Grand Prix, which is Spain. God, I remembered. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Hopefully for probably a slightly shorter set of episodes because there'll probably be a lot less to talk about. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.